Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the 15 Minute Coffee Podcast, where each week we dissect successful people from a range of different fields. We also show the true power of the 15 minute conversation. My name is Alan Donovan and I'm your host. This week we chatted to Dr. John Gruda, who is an assistant professor of organizational behavior at Manhattan University. Before this, he held appointments at Emilon Business School in France, where he attained his PhD in management, as well as a joint doctorate in psychology from Goethe University in Frankfurt. My chat with John was so interesting and intriguing that I decided to turn it into a two-parter. So, episode one coming out today, you're listening to right now, and episode two will be out on Friday. Um, so, stay tuned for that. So, in this episode, part one, John talks about narcissistic leadership, the dark triad leadership traits, and we discuss some other topics from John's research. I really enjoyed this chat with John, and make sure to listen to part two on Friday as well. So, without further ado, let's get right in. Hello and welcome to the 15 Minute Coffee. I'm Alan Donovan and I'm here today with Dr. John Gruda. Welcome, John. Hi there, pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming along, I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Pleasure to be here. So, I just want to start by... uh, looking at one of your focuses of your research, which I'm really interested in, and narcissism and narcissistic leadership. So mm-hmm. one of the papers you worked on has a title that begins with the phrase, I alone can fix it. So this is a phrase I learned after researching. It's commonly used by President, former President Donald J. Trump. So if you just want to tell us what is narcissism and is it fair to say Donald Trump would be a narcissistic leader? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, the short answer is yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, the um, more uh, long-winded answer is um, narcissism is, is, is basically a belief of uh, grandiosity, uh, perceived superiority. So I'm, I'm better than thou kind of thing. Uh, entitlement as well. And um, it is primarily found uh, in... Um, in a lot of leaders, actually, so it's not really a surprise to see political leaders, especially in the U.S., to display some degree of narcissism, and uh, and this is the case with with uh, Donald Trump as well, um, and uh, he has many examples and in terms of behaviors, in terms of things that he said, and he said many great things because he has the best words, which would be mm-hmm. one example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I alone can fix it, is what he said, I believe, about. Uh, the, uh, the the tax system, and he was saying he was making a point to say that uh, you know I know the system in and out because I I successfully cheated it essentially, uh, and so uh, you know only I can fix it because I know to what degree you know uh, is what what is wrong with it um, yeah. to a, to a very detailed degree. So so that was where that came from, and it just became very famous, and we thought that that might be a good uh, title for the paper because it is so closely associated with what a narcissist would say. Hmm. And I suppose more recently, um, Tesla founder and CEO Elon Musk is obviously on course to acquire Twitter. But uh, one of one of the reasons for his purchase um, is to bring back free speech to Twitter and make it a digital town square. So I suppose mm-hmm. 
Would it be fair to say Elon Musk has a similar mindset of I alone can fix it uh, regarding Twitter? Um, yes, um, mm. I, I would say so. I, I don't think it is uh, reserved for just Twitter. I think it's in general yeah. With, yeah. with things that he wants to do. And, you know, uh, you can say a lot about Elon Musk. Uh, I could say a lot about Elon Musk in terms of my <laughs> personal, not my necessarily personal opinion. But um, he has done a lot of things that people would have said before before he did them that this is impossible like this is never going to work out you know uh, t- tesla being one of them but um spacex more recently and uh, twitter now so that would be interesting to see how that uh, pans out mm. but i would say that that is uh, it's certainly looking at also what he tweets himself yeah uh, is, is there's some there's some really good examples of uh, narcissism uh, at play here so I, I want to make a point, though, to say that it's not necessarily uh, narcissism is not necessarily a bad thing, uh, mm. or rather, it is not just a bad thing. Uh, there's some positives uh, associated with that as well. So, um, you know, yes, I would say that Elon Musk uh, certainly displays uh, narcissistic behaviors and tendencies, and um, I would also say that those are the same characteristics that have also um, provided him with a lot of success in the past mm. uh, and in the present. So it's not just a bad thing, is, is my main point in this one. Yeah. I suppose going on from that, um, I, I sort of saw, you mentioned there, positives from uh, narcissistic leaders. Yeah. And I saw in your research, they, uh, a few examples would be they're more effective at sort of raising money and they're more likely to support CSR and environmental initiatives. Mm-hmm. So, if you just want to talk a bit about that and how how what do you what you found from that? Uh, yeah, sure. So we uh, we wrote a, a paper. I think it was about two years ago now, uh, and um, it was on fundraising, mm. uh, corporate uh, fundraising uh, chances of success, uh, and we looked at narcissistic leaders versus less narcissistic leaders, and uh, we did find that there was a uh, a positive effect for narcissistic leaders. So if you have a narcissistic CEO, mm. then you have your your company, uh, not just necessarily startups, but your company has a higher chance of raising more funds than a less narcissistic CEO. And I think that is because of the the same characteristics we have essentially already associated with with the two political leaders that we just talked about. So uh, confidence. Uh, you know this this grand superiority uh, that mm. comes across it comes across oftentimes as confidence and confidence is a, is a good thing in terms of when especially when things are not going well we want to look to to leaders and we look yeah. to leaders who seem confident who seem like uh, we're gonna get through this you know here's what you need to do and they so know what they're doing. I do think yeah so I think those are the characteristics that you know also are perceived positively by um, uh, venture capitalists and who are looking to invest into into firms into startups and you know they they would say yeah this this person seems like they know what they're saying they know what they're talking about uh, and so we're going to put our money with you know firm A versus firm B which doesn't mean that that uh, narcissistic CEO actually knows what they're talking about but yeah. it does come across uh, positively at least at the beginning so uh, that's um, that's with regard to uh, raising funds. The other matter that you mentioned is this uh, supporting uh, CSR and environmental initiatives. 
which um, wasn't our work directly, so we haven't worked on this ourselves, but okay. there's been previous research that shows this to be the case as well, which sounds like something that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It sounds counter mm. counterfactual, but yeah. it is because you know I'm the CEO of the company or I'm a director of the company, and um, I'm going to you know uh, put an emphasis on supporting CSR and, and maybe even initiating uh, environmental um, programs in our firm. Why would you do that? It's because it reflects positively on you. So mm. you can say, you know, look what I've done. I this never would have happened without my leadership. So. So it actually has a positive effect in this case on both the company and the leader uh, to themselves. Uh, this is yeah. how it's perceived. So as long as those incentives are aligned, I think that can be a, a positive force, if you will, for organizations. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's almost, it's not for the cause, but it, it helps the cause still. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I suppose st staying on the... Um, the CSR and environmental, um, as as we all know, we're facing a major climate emergency, and uh, collaboration and cooperation are key to mm -hmm. sort of solving that. So, do you think narcissistic narcissistic leaders can get in the way of more rounded solutions, which make them for more traditionally neurotic and, I suppose, agreeable followers? Uh, yes, I would. I would uh, say that. That is likely to be the case. Um, it is likely to be the case that uh, more rounded solutions, as you put it, do come from followers who are tend to be more neurotic and agreeable. Now, neurotic in this case, you know, it sounds always like something bad. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to be in, in interacting with neurotic people. If if you were to ask anyone on the street, you say, no, no, neuroticism is not good. But actually, yeah. if you think about it, it's not it's not a bad thing because what happens when you are more neurotic. Uh, it means that you are anxious, you are, you're worrying, you're nervous about the future and the uncertainty that future brings. So what do you do when that happens? I mean, let's, uh, let's imagine you have a, an important presentation to a client next week. And so you're, you're nervous about that, you're anxious about that. So what do you do in order to lower that anxiety? Well, you get started on preparing for it earlier, right? Yeah. So yeah. The earlier you get started, especially when it comes to uh, the climate uh, crisis, uh, if you will, then then obviously the more time you have to figure things out. So that's that's a good thing. So I do mm. think that um, that individuals who tend to be more anxious, uh, more neurotic, more just nervous and worrying about the uncertainty of the future, they do do think about these questions. They're more likely to think about these questions earlier than people who are you know, can't really be bothered until the last moment. And, and that's, you know, that's okay. There's different people and that's all right. But we do need to take those individuals seriously that do start, you know, thinking about how to solve a problem early on. And it can be literally the difference between, uh, yeah. you know, um, a disaster and, and, and avoiding that disaster. So I do think that is um, uh, the case, but with regard to narcissistic leadership, I do think it can get in the way of that. It can yeah. get in the way if you are the one to say, listen to me, I know all the answers, uh, don't listen to these other folks. But at the same time, uh, it, if, if you can phrase it well, if you can make it so that it is about uh, an important political figure who really does have the either economic or uh, diplomatic uh, force to get everybody else in line, 
yeah. then it can be a positive because then you are basically counting on this narcissistic leader, whoever that is, to step up because this is their moment to shine. And as long as you can align the the objectives with what is needed, well, we need to avoid this. Uh, we need to solve this crisis. We need to avoid disaster, right? If we can make it so that it is uh, positively perceived um, for the political leaders as well, who we do need in this, in approaching and uh, hopefully avoiding uh, this uh, this emergency, then it can be a positive thing. So it is really the responsibility is up to all of us to make sure that we do uh, not just think about an issue and a problem and try to solve it, but also think about it, you know, how can I get other people on board? And those other people might very well include narcissistic leaders. Yeah, that, that's the crux of it, I suppose. We all have a role, no matter who you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I suppose one last question about uh, narcissism. It, it's, it falls into the category of uh, dark leadership, which is something you've looked at, one of your focuses of your research. Um, so mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit more about what these are, uh, what, what the traits uh, yeah. are, and how we can yeah, spot absolutely. them? So the dark, um, dark tri traits, or the you know like dark personality traits, if you will, uh, it's narcissism is one of them, uh, which we've already discussed. Machiavellianism is the the other one, and then psychopathy is the third. So um, Machiavellianism is uh, it describes a trait that is associated with people being manipulative, uh, people trying to exploit others, uh, self-interested individuals, um, obviously. That can come across as domineering oftentimes, then they can use um, dominant uh, expansive posture to make their to, to have their point come across. Uh, they can also use threats and intimidation, uh, but they are um, at the very least they are long term oriented so that means that they are not in it to win it uh, on just a short term basis they're not mm. you know looking for that quick win they are in it for the long haul so they can actually be uh, potentially even um, beneficial to organizations because they don't want their organization to go up in flames. Like yeah. because that is that is what gives them the power and the authority and the status that they that they seek. So they can be uh, causing a lot of interpersonal conflict between, if you imagine, a leader and a follower, or even between followers, just individuals in general. But they wouldn't necessarily go so far as to. Um, try to undermine the organization from which they derive their power. Yeah. That same that same uh, behavior cannot be said for uh, psychopathy or psychopathic leaders who tend to mm. be more impulsive, who are emotionally cold. They are uh, there's a remorseless, their lack of uh, of of empathy, the lack of remorse, lack of guilt, and that is. Um, you could argue even darker than the, the Machiavellianism and, and narcissism. In fact, narcissism was has been called in the past the brightest of the dark tri traits. <laughs> so saying, uh, saying a lot. It's saying a lot. So uh, it does have certainly um, some benefits. Some of them we've already discussed. I, I, I do firmly believe that there are uh, benefits to Machiavellian uh, leaders as well. Um, it, it just and to psychopathic leaders. But the list of benefits. I would say gets gets you know exceedingly shorter yeah. Yeah, when you move from narcissism to Machiavellian to, to psychopathy. And there is such a thing as um, a narcissist who's not a psychopath, but I would not 
I, I, I cannot fathom um, any, you know, psychopath or psychopathic leader who would not also be a narcissist. Yeah. So um, it is about them. Uh, they don't care. They, there's, there's a lack of guilt. Uh, and there's been many examples in, because um, it sounds quite dark, right? Like it sounds yeah. like when we think of psychopaths, we think of, you know, uh, how to make a murderer and like all these uh, criminal, mm. you know, these crime shows on Netflix. But that's not what we mean here. We actually mean, you know, um, white collar crime, if, if any crime, really. So fraud would certainly be on top of that list because there's a lack of guilt. Uh, they don't care who they hurt as long as it serves themselves. Uh, and so you would, it would be very difficult to imagine, like, what would be a good environment? Like, what would be a benefit of having anybody like this in your organization? Yeah. Well, when it comes to making really tough decisions, when it comes to making decisions like you have to let go of 10, 20% of your workforce in one go, uh, then, you know, those individuals likely, I would, I would imagine that likely they wouldn't have an issue with doing so, with, with, you know, executing that decision because of the lack of guilt and the lack of remorse. So they might be the best person to actually deliver that news yeah. and to, to have to make that choice. But it is a very, it, it is, um, I would say it's more likely to be problematic than useful, especially in the long run, because the difference between psychopathic and Machiavellian leaders is that the psychopathic leader is not in it for the long haul. They're in it for short-term gains. And when I say short-term, I mean, they usually don't stick around companies longer than yeah. three, four years, and they jump around uh, to different companies. So I assume they're, they're probably more likely to spot and sort of... Um identify then Machiavellian and narcissistic leaders as well? Um, more, uh, I, th that's a, that's a, it's a good question. Uh, yeah. It is a difficult question to answer because the Machiavellians and uh, the psychopaths will never tell you that this mm. is how they really see themselves. The narcissist yeah. will. So the, the narcissist has no issue with telling you that, yeah, I'm the best. Yeah. Uh, and everyone knows it, you know? So mm. there's actually, um, we've, and we've actually measured this, uh, we've used this, this, this measure of narcissism. Usually it's like, like a questionnaire and you have, you know, like 10, 20 questions. There is one measure of narcissism, which is a one item, like one question. And it's literally, uh, you know, how, how narcissistic are you? And then it gives you a few synonyms, like, um, you know, how uh, vain are you, for example? And then it's just a scale of one to five, or one to seven, I don't recall now. But it's a one, one question because they don't have an issue telling you that yeah, I'm I'm you know who I claim yeah. to be. I'm the yeah. best and so on. The other two uh, are much. They're, they're, it's much more difficult to to uh, find them out because they don't want to be caught. And if they're caught, that would mean that they have to at least temporarily cease that kind of behavior that comes so natural to them. Mm. So they don't want that to happen. So I think they're very careful in hiding, uh, you know, their their true self. Uh, and I think the Machiavellians are probably better at doing so in the long, because they're in it for the long haul. So they're, yeah. they're more careful and less impulsive. Yeah. De definitely dark and they're definitely dark. So we'll, we'll brighten up a bit. Um, one of, one of my favorite of your papers is titled, uh, don't you treat me badly anxiety contagion between leaders and followers in com computer mediated communication during COVID-19. So this was yeah. published by you and Dr. Ojo, two of my former lecturers from Manute University. Um, mm -hmm. Shout out Manute. Um, but <laughs> firstly, I love the title. It's, it's very good. Um, 
but would you mind telling me a bit about the paper and what it studies and sort of what you found? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we had actually originally a different title in mind, and then we, we changed in the last second. The paper was already accepted. We were like, oh, no, this is better. <laughs> we changed the title. <laughs> I'm um, glad you did. So, yeah, no, I think it turned out well. So the, the, uh, the paper was uh, an idea that uh, I think it happened, well, certainly during the pandemic. I just don't remember which year now. Um, so I think it was 2021 when we started working on this. And we were thinking that it's uh, it's very likely that because everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people moved, um, you know, all of, a lot of operations moved online during COVID. And so there was... Uh, virtually and, and for, forgive me for the pun virtually no other communication than virtual communication uh, at least for a while between leaders and followers right because you have to work from home you can come into the office and so on yes so we were wondering if uh, what we knew from past evidence from past research which is that leaders can influence followers uh, affect now affect is a, a you know psychology term that essentially uh, describes all feelings, emotions, and moods all in one. Okay. So just your general feeling. And um, and that there has been a lot of evidence that shows that leaders can affect how followers feel depending on how the leader feels. So if I'm happy, I'm super ecstatic for whatever reason, and I go to the office and um, you know my, my followers are there, the people that I work with, my team members, then they are likely, that is likely to rub off on them. They yeah. are likely to also, that's, it's, it's uh, called emotional contagion, which is, so it's literally that, it's contagious. Uh, and so the same thing happens with negative emotions, of course. So if I'm feeling really down or if I'm feeling um, maybe very nervous or worried about something or maybe very frustrated after a meeting I just had, then that's also going to be likely to spread to the people that I work with. So this we already knew that this happens in face-to-face -face communication. What we didn't know and what we wanted to look at is whether uh, the same phenomenon, the same phenomenon of emotional contagion, and we focused on anxiety in particular. So anxiety contagion can happen between uh, leaders and followers uh, in computer-mediated communication, so online, via social mm -hmm. media during COVID. And uh, using machine learning to measure both uh, uh, anxiety as in state anxiety, how you feel in the moment, and then trait anxiety, how nervous, uh, anxious you are in general, over time, we actually can show uh, using Twitter data that leaders do influence their followers' anxiety yeah. uh, up to, and we can we, we statistically show that this is um, up to two days in advance. So wow. if my leader is anxious on Monday, uh, and then you know whether or not actually I read that one tweet that they tweeted on Monday doesn't really matter because they have they tweet a lot of tweets. Um, and so it doesn't really matter which tweet you read at, one, at any one point. Yeah. Uh, up to two days after that, we can see that your tweets, not in response to that leader, but your tweets in general to other people, uh, tend to be more anxious than they were before Monday. So um, that is what we could find. And this effect uh, is, is prevalent during the crisis. So we looked at pre and post. Uh, onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, so pre-11th of March 2020 and then after that. And we do find that this is an effect that is strongly associated with the crisis itself. So we don't find the same effect uh, in terms of strength pre-crisis, mm. 
but post-crisis, post, not post-crisis because the crisis is ongoing, but post the onset of the pandemic, we do find that. And we find that this effect is only present when the leaders are not, in general, very anxious individuals. Because okay. if I'm very anxious in general, and then I tweet something that is you know, high anxiety, then you're probably not going to take me very seriously as a follower because, well, that's just John. John is always it's on, it's on brand, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it loses its effect. But if somebody who is not in general, um, you know, scores high on anxiety in general, regardless of what's going on during the day, so trait anxiety, then that effect is quite powerful. So that's, that's what we, we wanted to uh, find out, and we, we did find that this is indeed the case. And we're now working on uh, subsequent research to look into this a little bit further. That's incredible. I, I, I find that the, any, any sort of research into the pandemic and the effect of it is, is incredibly interesting. Like it's... It's, it, certainly makes, it certainly makes for a very interesting research setting, that's for sure. Unprecedented, yeah.